welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about the play-in situation and how the Thunder saw into it. They have a shot to take two lottery picks based on tonight's results. And I also want to talk about the Thunder's presence in the playoffs. There are a ton of former Thunder members, both in the play-in games and players who have already locked their seating in for playoff contenders. So I just want to break that down and kind of give you guys an all-encompassing view on the playoffs and how OKC taps into that. And to top it all off, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. But starting things out, guys, I want to break down the lottery situation with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, obviously, they had their 50-point blowout on Sunday, lost, what, 138-88 to to the Clippers, rode off into the sunset, and they had their exit interviews on Monday. But since that point, there have still been some things involving the Thunder, and it's hitting a head tonight. This is big time. When you look at OKC, obviously they have the fourth best odds, end up winning 24 games on the regular season, but they have multiple first round picks in this draft class. They have their own selection. They have the LA Clippers unprotected pick, and they have the Phoenix Suns' pick, which is going to be at number 30. Now, with this LA Clippers pick, this is one of five firsts that were dealt in the Paul George trade a couple off seasons ago. 2022, 2024, and 2026 are all sent outright to OKC. No protections. And then you have, in 2023 and 2025, unprotected pick swaps. So OKC holds a lot over the Clippers right now. And to begin the year... The Clippers' first-round pick looked lo- more lucrative than the Thunder's, actually. They didn't have Paul George. Kawhi Leonard wasn't in the rotation. And for about the first 10 games, maybe 15, I think the Clippers actually had a worse record than the Thunder. Now, obviously, we all knew eventually that was going to change, and obviously it did. Uh, but going into the final week or two, you know, it was sort of a foregone conclusion that the LA Clippers had secured a playoff spot and that OKC had no chance at cracking the lottery. Now, there's a shot that they fall into the lottery, and that means OKC nets two lottery picks in this draft class. And here's kind of just the breakdown on how this happens. So, you get the play-in games on Tuesday. And these are the ones that are between the 7th and 8th seeds in both conferences. And the winner of the 7-8 game is the 7th seed. And the loser gets sent down into the 8th seed game. The LA Clippers looked like they were going to end up winning their 7th seed matchup. They came in as the number 8 seed, but you got Paul George, you got guys like Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann. They're pretty depth heavy. They were expected to win, and they had a really good hold on the Timberwolves going into the final stretch. We're talking double-digit lead here, and they sputtered. Carl Anthony Towns was atrocious in this game. He fouled out, only had 11 points, and really was a non-factor. So Nas Reed had to be their starting center. But you got guys like Anthony Edwards popping off. D'Angelo Russell could not miss in the clutch, and they went on 
a crazy comeback. 36 to 24 was the end run for the Timberwolves. And they won 109 to 104 to the LA Clippers. So they secured the seventh seed. And LA is still waiting to punch their ticket. This game was actually uh, crazy, man. Like, <laughs> this was one where, yes, it's high stakes. It's in Minnesota. They aren't in the playoffs very often. They went, I think, in 2018. And that was the first time since 2004. So they were super hyped. But you got Patrick Beverly, who... You know, he's made the playoffs every single season. That, that didn't change this year. But basically, the Clippers just sent him off. They didn't care for him. He said, either you pay me or you get rid of me. They chose to get rid of him. And it ended up being a pretty instrumental piece, actually, for the Timberwolves. And for the Thunder, in a way. Ends up getting a few crucial steals. He was aggressive the entire night. And after the game ended, dude reenacted like Kevin Garnett. You know, this guy's bouncing up and down jumps on the scores table I don't think he jumped on the scores table actually but he took his shirt off and just launched it into like the 12th row you know some people are are thinking that's like stupid like it's like you guys just made the play in I'll let him have it man like it was in the moment it's like yo what are you doing but just let him let him have that competitive spirit I guess and we all know that Patrick Beverly is a very competitive guy so <laughs> it's just kind of fitting he's the one uh throwing his shirt around and then you know he wasn't holding back in the locker room he was talking junk online I think he got fined 30,000 bucks not just for the the shirt toss but like his comments because you know he was making sure to let everybody know Clippers did him dirty he was getting every little pennies worth out on his Instagram live but he got a 30k fine he was trying to get people to like cash app him money, even though he's making seven figures. Uh, I saw something on Twitter where someone asked for $300 on rent. It was like a little request on cash app. He declined it. So, you know, he's all business. He needs the 30K to uh, get that fine off him. And, you know, he needs a couple more wins to hoist up that Larry O'Brien. But great game from the Timberwolves I mean they were able to really take over and play as one because when you don't have Cat and you're playing a team such as the Clippers you have to be on your game they most definitely were so they're in as the seven seed but the Clippers are still waiting and they have to play tonight and what determines not just if they make the playoffs but if OKC nets a second lottery pick and they are going to be facing off against the New Orleans Pelicans. And I asked you guys on Twitter uh, two nights ago when the game was going on between San Antonio and uh, the Pelicans, like, which team do you guys want to see? What's the better matchup for the LA Clippers? And it was overwhelmingly swaying on the Pelicans side. I did say it, like, second quarter, Pelicans were up double digits, but I don't think it matters I kind of agree. I think if you're looking at which team poses more problems for the LA Clippers, you wanted the Pelicans to win. And they were able to pull that off. They ended up taking the game by 10 points, 113 to 103. And, you know, monstrous first half for them. I think they had 35 points in the second quarter. 
and they were just running through the stars. This is what I pointed out on my tweet. This is what a lot of people were kind of receptive towards. You know, they sort of have a big three right now, even without Zion Williamson. And Zion, he was doing 360 dunks and warmups. I don't know if he's ready to play. I don't know if you'd want to play him at this point, but he's not part of the, the roster this season. You still have a good group of players. And it starts with CJ McCollum. They had to make that big move to get him over there. He has been very good for them. Ended up having 32 points in the game. Brandon Ingram dropped 27 points. And Jonas Valanciunas had 22 points of his own. That group is strong. You know, you can look at any of those three and say, yeah, they could drop 20 points on any given night. And I'd say... In particular, McCollum and Ingram are the ones where they could drop a 30-piece and no one bats an eye. Like, both of them almost did that. And with Jonas, he's probably not dropping 30, of course, but he'll give you a double-double basically on a consistent basis. And they're going to be going up against the Clippers who have a starting unit and have a center unit of Ivaka Zubac and Isaiah Hartenstein. Hartenstein's not going to be a great matchup towards Jonas. Now, Hartenstein, yeah, he's like a rebounder. I get it. You give that upper hand to Valanchunas. With Zubac, it's a bit more of a close competition. But if Valanchunas is dropping 22 and 14 on Jakob Pertl, I'm sure he can yield similar numbers against the Clippers. And with Ingram and McCollum, they're both amazing at creating their own shots. So if either of them get in rhythm, they're able to take over the game. And in a best-of-one series... I feel like the better option is to go for those hit or miss prospects as opposed to maybe a more well-rounded group in San Antonio who doesn't have necessarily that like superstar. Now, DeJounte Murray, you have to give him credit. He has done an amazing job this season. But if I'm looking to entrust someone for a 30-point game, give me Brandon Ingram or give me CJ McCollum over him any day of the week. Triple doubles, that's probably another story. But the more impactful players definitely come from New Orleans. So that's the way this sets up. You got the eight-seeded Clippers against the ninth-seeded Pelicans. If the Pelicans win, they take the eight seed. They end up playing the Phoenix Suns, and LA goes home. And if LA wins, they stick at the eighth spot, and OKC still only has one lottery selection. So... I'm going to delve a little bit more into those numbers, what they mean, and what to expect from that matchup. But first, I want to tell you guys about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You clinch a win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, for each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. 
Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. But guys, pivoting into the matchup we have at hand. I already kind of talked about the implications, right? If LA wins the game, it's still pick number 15 for the Thunder. If not, it's going to be interesting. And it's gotten a lot more interesting because as reported from Adrian Wojnarowski, there's a chance that Paul George actually does not play in tonight's game. And this comes from a positive test for COVID. It's going to sideline him. LA has been using Paul George the last like two weeks. You know, he's been in and out of the injury report, but he has returned and he's looked very good. He almost actually got the Clippers back into um, Tuesday's game, which would have been crazy because they were down double digits with like two minutes to go or something. But he's gone, and that means you're looking at guys like Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, and maybe, hell, even Amir Coffey or something as top contributors, because he dropped 35 against, you know, OKC last week. But yeah, that that's obviously a, a crucial hit, and if you're looking at which direction that sways, obviously that works in the New Orleans Pelicans' favor, and it works right into what the Thunder fan base should be looking for. Here's the complete ripple effect of tonight's game. If New Orleans wins, Charlotte has the 15th pick from the Pelicans. OKC gets the 12th pick from the Clippers. New York moves to 11th. And Portland has a top five protected pick in 2025 from the Milwaukee Bucks. On the flip side, if the Clippers win, Portland has the 11th pick from the Pelicans. It's going to be top five protected, but looks like a good lottery pick for them. OKC stays at 15, and Charlotte ends up with a second round pick this year and a second round pick next year. So you want to root for the Pelicans here. Clear as day gives you that second lottery pick, but it also shields Portland from having two. So Portland's going to be rooting on the opposing side. They want the Clippers to win. It's always how it works, man. No matter what, the Rockets or the Trailblazers are always just following the thunder. Doesn't matter if they're contending. Doesn't matter if they're rebuilding. Just breathing right down their neck. And basically, they're pinned up against each other. This is game number 83 for the thunder and game number 83 for the Trailblazers. Got to root for the Pels. But... Here's kind of delving a little deeper into the numbers here. So surface level, number four pick, or that's your odd, and number 12 pick. 12 versus 15 is significantly better, not just in terms of, you know, what it looks like on paper, obviously, but for trade-up options, that's going to expand your board of prospects, and it's going to expand your range you can trade with. You know, if you have that pick right outside the lottery, there's going to be good prospects, right? But if you're looking to find those young guys, if you're looking to find those high ceiling players, I don't really know what the board looks like for OKC right now. Let's just say Dyson Daniels, for example, from the Ignite. That's kind of where you'd find those players where they're a little bit unproven right now. 
The potential is high, but they're obviously not the top tier prospects. That's where you take the shots at number 12, for instance. And at 15, I could see easily Daniels not being there. A guy like Jaden Hardy not being there. If you're looking to shoot for the moon, a lot of it comes from the back end of the lottery. And that holds a lot of value. But what also holds value is OKC could technically own the first and second pick this draft class. Now, the odds are slim to none, right? Like OKC shot at getting a top five pick or top four pick. Uh, with their current selection, is right around 50%. And with this pick, if it's at 12, it's at 7.1%. Having both of those two fall in the top four are damn near impossible, right? Like, we are talking, I couldn't even give you a percent. You know, I'm not I'm not Tyler Carroll, right? Like, I can't, I can't spit out those numbers, but <laughs> um, they're very slim. Now, if you're able to move from 12 into the top four, that's a dream scenario. I don't even care if you get six or seven with a Thunder's pick. If you're able to get one top four pick in this draft class, that's big time. And given OKCs can only slide down to the eighth overall pick, you're going to give yourself two good prospects or a really good trade-up package that really no one else can compete with. And the full little rankings here would be that there's a 1.5% chance of the first pick, 1.7% at the second 1.9 at the third and 2.1 at the the fourth spot but we'll see how it kind of shakes out i'd imagine it still stays at 12 but it's gonna be a very intriguing piece and going into draft lottery night it's gonna add another very cool incentive you know with the kind of flattened curve i guess you'd say with the draft lottery we've been able to see some major jumps john morant's the one that sticks out to me think the Grizzlies were maybe like eighth or something going into lottery night they end up second and they get a franchise cornerstone you know this is a very different situation because you're at 12 but 7.1 percent that's not as tiny as you'd imagine it could be that could definitely happen for you know any team in the back end of the lottery at this point but that's sort of my take on this better be rooting for the Pelicans this is arguably the biggest game, well actually, clearly this is the biggest game of the playoffs for the Oklahoma City Thunder, but just in general, this could be the biggest game the Thunder has to deal with this entire season because it does hold a ton of lottery implications and this is one where it's pretty black and white. Either you're at 15 or you're at 12 and you could even move up from that stage. So watch out, I'll have a recap on that, I'll kind of break it down. As the game goes on, you guys can look at my Twitter um, as I go through that. But kind of staying on track of just playoffs, I want to talk about some former Thunder guys that are suiting up for postseason play. For this one, you have 13 former Thunder members in the playoffs and four former Thunder members in the play-in series. So you have 17 in total right now that are fighting for it. By the end of tonight, I'd say that margin goes down to either 15 or 16. We'll have to see. And uh, I didn't mention it a second ago, but if you guys do want to watch the play-in game, it's going to be at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. You'll find it on TNT between the Pels and the Clippers. Obviously have that tune-up game with the Cleveland Cavaliers and your Atlanta Hawks. So we'll see uh, how those shake up. But 
I want to talk about those two games first. You get the primer with the Cavs in Atlanta. For the Cavs, Moses Brown is your guy from the Thunder. And he had to start, actually, at some stints. He got initially two 10-day contracts, and then it got moved to a two-way deal. But he was pretty damn good. I mean, he was getting you double-doubles, still that energy guy. But... Now Jared Allen's back, and because the contract hasn't been converted, I don't even know if he's allowed to play under a two-way. But Allen's considered a 50-50 to compete. If he doesn't play in this one, if he's suited up, hell, the dude could get minutes. You need a center. And I'd take him probably over Kevin Love right now. His matchup would be probably on Yeka Okongwu for some time. You do have Clint Capella that... Uh, is a seriously a dominant force, so that's a nightmarish deal for Moses. But as a backup, I do think Okongwu uh, wouldn't be that bad to kind of pester with. But on the flip side, Gallinari, you know, is going to play, and Timothy Luawu Cabarro, even though he's not a consistent player for the Hawks, he can still get some time. So that's how you start it. And the other game, you already know. Paul George is headlining, and he could be headlining the playoffs for former Thunder guys, for all I know, but they're not guaranteed still, and probably shouldn't even be rooting for the Clippers. In all honesty, you want to see OKC get the better draft picks. Sucks for PG, but let's keep it real, guys. They're going to be very good for a very long time, uh, barring like a crazy trade or something. Him and Kawhi together, plus Norman Powell, plus Kennard, plus Jackson, they'll be fine. Give them one year. You know, the Thunder, they had to deal with the brutal 14-15 season. AD hits a game winner to send him out of the playoffs. Yeah, those great teams always have to have a bad egg. Give it to them this season. They can get over the hump next year when it's only going to be a pick swap. No team um, on the Pelican side has a Thunder member, but, you know, that kind of is how it is. Going out east, though, there is a guarantee that there will be a Thunder member in the finals. Even with the play-in, guys, all nine teams have a former Thunder member. And we'll start at the top of the board. You have the Miami Heat with Markeith Morris, who was considered like one of the best pickups for the franchise. This is how crazy it is. This is how small of a market OKC is. Even with KD, Westbrook, all these guys, Markeith Morris is your marquee pickup. It didn't pan out. I think it was kind of just bad on both sides. Like, it wasn't Markeith's fault. It was kind of management. It was all weird. But it didn't pan out. Omir at 7, same way. He's not counted on the tally here because he only played for the G League system. But shows you that Nazi Muhammad did a pretty good job. As for the other top two seeds, second-seeded Celtics have Al Horford and Serge Ibaka and George Hill are on the Milwaukee Bucks. Then it gets interesting at the fourth seed. The Philadelphia 76ers, they've got their group right now. You have Joel Embiid, who, depending on who you ask, could be the MVP. Tobias Harris is there. Tyrese Maxey's been popping off. And they just traded for James Harden. He's averaged 21 points, 7.1 boards, and 10.1 assists this season since he got dealt to Philly. You already know with James, he is insane. This could be a potential threat in the playoffs. Clearly, they're a threat, but 
We'll see how far that run will take them. The kind of the beauty of the East, though, is everyone is so tightly congested in terms of playoff seating. Like, anyone could make it out of there, and I wouldn't really be surprised. It's not just even one through five. Really, one through nine. And if the Hawks win, I think it's one through eight. Like, the Hawks could seriously scare the Heat here. But it's anyone's game. So that's what I love about really what we have out East. But you got James... And you cannot forget, Charlie Brown Jr. is also on the roster. So, don't think Charlie Brown Jr. is going to be a main contributor. They actually got him back from the Bluecoats this week. Um, Bluecoats just finished playing in the G League Finals, by the way. They lost, got swept 2-0 to the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Terrence Ferguson was on that team. He ends up getting some hardware. Averaged 3 points and 2.2 rebounds in 17 games, or 27 games, excuse me, with the franchise, that actually popped off on Twitter, I was pleasantly surprised, um, you know, lots of people were kind of making their comments on T-Ferg, like, if he was a dud, this and that, you know, it, it is what it is, like, he, he had some moments, someone talked about the Laker game, everybody knows the Laker game, transition windmill, everyone was jumping out of their seats, dude dropped about 20 points, uh, and then he just never really hit that level again. I don't know. Like, with him, he's an athletic guy. He was supposed to be just a dominant defensive force. It didn't pan out that way. And even though the shot looked like it had some potential, it really never came into fruition. So he kind of just fell out of graces with the rotation. He did get to start in some playoff series, but didn't work. He's still only 23 years old. Had a stint in Greece where he kind of had the same numbers. And with Rio Grande, he wasn't at the top of the leaderboard. I don't even know if he played in the finals at all. But he was able to get that experience. And I'll tell you what. Even though Ferg wasn't playing, Rio Grande had a very special team this season. If you don't watch G League basketball, highly suggest you do so. There's so much entertainment there. And there's so many awesome storylines. But Trevlin Queen was on that roster. You had guys like Anthony Lamb. Cabin Gelly, who used to play for the Clippers, actually. And you got Gerald Green, too. And Ferguson. And Deshaun Nix. A loaded group. They had it from start to finish this year, honestly. Uh, but it's good to see that he was kind of thrown in there. Obviously, he's just sticking to the G League ranks right now. But very cool story to see, uh, you know, an ex-Thunder guy have some success post-NBA level. You know, we've had some overseas guys. Dakari Johnson's been dominant uh, in China. You've had other players kind of translate over to, like, overseas play and such. For G League stories, this might be maybe the first G League title from a former member and definitely from a guy who used to be starting on the roster just, like, five seasons ago. But it was cool to see that. Kind of moving back to what we're going to find, though, 76ers are playing the Raptors. Now, Seema Hailuk is their representative. I don't think he's going to play much. He hasn't been in the cards for them really at all this year. And he actually had to play in the G League at some point just to get some reps in. Had 40 points and just got sent back up. Maybe if they need shooting, he checks in. Hasn't really been his year. Same goes for Tony Bradley with the six-seeded Chicago Bulls. He was a pretty good utility guy for the Thunder, just sort of doing the dirty work of setting screens up top, cutting inside. If the roll was there, you take it. If not, just wait for the rebound. 
sticking to that with Chicago. Just your, like, typical journeyman, big man. Not going to say the same about Kevin Durant, though. Definitely not. And if you still have a vendetta against him, I'd advise you don't root for the Brooklyn Nets, but they are primed for a very fun postseason. Now, they have to play the Celtics, which makes an insane first-round matchup. You know, you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Smart, who looks to be the defensive player of the year, taking on Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, potentially Ben Simmons. You can't get better than that, man. And Simmons, he's supposed to come back like game four to six or something. There's some timetable. But just even with Kyrie and Kevin, that's a dangerous group. And Kyrie is able to play in Brooklyn now. They lifted that. That's going to make for some firework shows over the next week or two. And with KD, he's still one of the top threats in the NBA. I don't care if you like the man, you don't like the man. He's a seven-footer who can do just about anything on the basketball court. And that means points can get up in a hurry. And that means even if they're the seventh seed, you could say they're the best team out east and you're not going to bat an eye. I thought they were easily going to be championship favorites going into the season. When they picked up James Harden, looked to be that way. Didn't pan out, of course, but... I mean, that's still a hell of a group that they have. And then even at the bottom teams, you know, you do have the Cavs and you do have the Hawks who can kind of create some noise. And they're playing against the Miami Heat who are very, very sound as a group. They don't have the star, um, which typically hurts you. Uh, We'll see, though, how that would kind of play out in their series. Moving out west, though, a little bit less of an imprint from Presti here. Only four of the nine teams have a former Thunder member on there, but it's a pretty good group. And you start with the best team in the NBA, Phoenix Suns with a franchise record here. They posted 64 wins on the regular season. They're basically led by a former Thunder guy and Chris Paul. Now, when Chris Paul got traded to Phoenix, it was all for the better, right? Because Chris Paul... You know, being on the Thunder was amazing. You could tell the trajectory, though, was rebuilding. And they sort of wanted to pass that torch over to SGA. So he got dealt over. Seemed like decent value at the time. Now, obviously, the Suns got all their money's worth there on what they have in the deal. But Chris Paul seemingly has not aged one bit. He's posting a double-double on the season, averaging 14.7 points and 10.8 assists. And you got Devin Booker. Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, even, I want to say Sarge, I don't really know if I should put him on that group, right, but they're pretty well-rounded, we'll go Cam Johnson to fill out that five, Johnson can get hot from three, and off that bench, you still have a very good group of players, one of which being Cam Payne, Payne was playing in China two years ago, he was grinding with the Texas Legends two years ago, gets a call up, from the Suns, has a decent impression to end the season, returned last year as a bench guy, and has just been up and running ever since. He's averaging 10.8 points and 4.9 assists for them. Dude might not be dancing on the sidelines, but he sure as hell is having an impact right now. If you have a team you want to root for out west, can't go wrong with Phoenix, man, and you can't go wrong with the Memphis Grizzlies either. Memphis might be the most electric team in the NBA right now. You're talking about a roster that has just taken the NBA circle by storm. It's easily going to be Memphis. John Morant, 
He's exactly what you want. Not just from a marketability standpoint, but just as a player. He's 22 years old right now. Man can jump out the gym, and he's had some circus shots this year. If you're House of Highlights, if you got a YouTube page, you are damn sure putting John Morant on that tape because it's going to make it a lot more entertaining. You know, there's always something new with Ja and really just this entire unit as a whole. They're the second youngest team in the NBA right now. You have that supporting cast with Desmond Bain, Kyle Anderson, Sneaky Good, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, it's a it's a solid, solid group. And you might look at them on paper and say, like, they might not have the stars, right? But they play in unison just like the Heat do. And I'd say, unlike the Heat, even though Butler can pop off, even though you got guys like Hero, dude like John Morant can give you 40. And that's just how it goes with him. He's able to take over some basketball games. And he does it with the help of Steven Adams. Adams, you know, he's supposed to be the, the next Nick Collison until you had that trade to New Orleans. Didn't work out in New Orleans. Now he's with the Grizz. And it seems like he's really loved over there right now. You know, he's not utilized the same. He only averages about 6.7 points for them. But... Use him as a screen setter and use him right below the basket. He's averaging 10 rebounds a game right now. That's a career high. And he's going to be setting some beautiful screens. If there's going to be some games to watch, they'll have to come from the 2-7 matchups. I already talked about the Celtics-Nets series. Look at the Grizzlies versus the Minnesota Timberwolves, though. Minnesota looked electric in their play-in you have a young star and anthony edwards d'angelo russell seems to be breaking out of his shell and carl anthony towns was really really bad in the play-in but they still got the job done i know that carl anthony towns and you know carl anthony towns is gonna have some big games going up against steven adams that's a matchup that is very interesting man and the same goes with d'angelo same goes with Edwards. How does Bain and Morant match up with them? I think it's pretty neck and neck, despite what the standings might say. And I'm most excited because we're going to see Steven Adams going up against Patrick Beverly. Who remembers in 2017? You got Russell Westbrook strolling up the court, going up the right side of the floor, half court, set a back screen, and Patrick Beverly got sent to a different dimension, man. He was trying to press up on Westbrook. They were getting at it the entire series. And then he just got decked out on the floor. Looked like the man got knocked out. He got back up. Probably was seeing some stars, right? But he got up. And that was one of the nastiest screens I've seen in a long time. Adams has sent some monstrous ones. Sent one accidentally on Ferguson a year or two ago where he actually fell on the ground. But... You know, I'm sure they'll be using him up top to set some screens. And with Beverly, he'd want to be against Morant in the series. And he definitely will be getting some big-time minutes given his experience in the postseason. So look at those two. Talked about uh, your man in Paul George. I don't know if you really want to see him per se. And then there's Jeff Green for the Denver Nuggets where, you know, he is just amazing he's 35 and he's still able to dunk another dude who just doesn't really age that much and he can get it done at three levels really i don't know how much he'll play but very 
valuable bench guy. I don't know if he'll be throwing the towel in. Uh, he definitely won't be forced to throw it in after this season. But that's just sort of the outlook on the cast of Thunder guys. Going to have someone from the East who used to suit up in a Thunder uniform. We'll have to see for the West. You got three really good options in you know, Phoenix, Memphis, and then the Clippers. And hell, even Denver's right there. Don't want to see the Clippers though. So let's just keep it to the three you have uh, with Seeds 1 and 2 and then the Denver Nuggets. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.